स्मार्टकास्ट यूर लिसनिंग टू अंदुस्तान टाइम्स प्रोडक्शन ब्रॉट यू बाय एच टी स्मार्टकास्ट हेलो एंड वेलकम टू दच टी ब्रांच पॉडकास्ट द वीकली कंपेनियन टू योर प्रिंटेड कॉपी ऑफ एच टी ब्रांच वेर आई योर होस्ट करिश्मा कंजैन फ्रॉम टीम ब्रांच गिव यू अ बिहाइंड द सीन्स ऑफ वॉट यूल बी रीडिंग ऑन संडे There'll be interviews with the biggest Bollywood celebrities talking about things that matter to them. You'll also get to know a little more about the columns by Veer Sangvi and Seema Goswami from the columnists themselves. Why should you listen to it? Well, it's one of India's top Sunday magazines. It has the best editors, columnists, and opinion leaders bringing you what's happening around town. Listen on for an additional dose of brunch. This series is available on hdsmartcast.com, India's fastest-growing podcast-producing platform. Hey guys, how's it going? So, when I first reached out to William Richmond, the lead singer of Shillong Chamber Choir and last week's HD Branch cover star, I was uh, gearing up to speak to a star who's rubbed shoulders with the who's who, who's leading an iconic choir. and you know i was expecting somebody who's uh, proud of his skill and position and somebody who's uh, diplomatic with his answers instead i found myself uh, you know speaking to a shy boy who has his principles in place is clear about his aim his music and remains grounded and also he's really really uh, grateful to everything the choir has done as well as uh, you know the founder uncle neil Of course all this also came with a generous helping of humor and you know I've had the privilege of interviewing some wonderfully genuine and fearlessly vocal people over the years but this was the first time the story kind of just wrote itself there weren't you know my usual four drafts or hours of uh, transcribing just about an hour right after the call Well I got him back for a quick chat. Uh listen on as he talks about his journey in the choir, his faith and the lessons he's learned from Uncle Neil. Uh hi William, welcome to the HD Branch podcast and congratulations on your HD Branch cover. So tell us a little about what was the reaction like to the story? I didn't expect it. I didn't expect the reaction that came about but when i saw it um, i'm i'm just glad that you kept the most essential parts of what i said in the interview so in terms of the reaction my dad seemed to have got quite a lot of reactions from people and people from delhi and from bombay kept sending me photographs saying well done well done i just said no 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 i felt really bad because i would have never been there i would have not been there on the front cover if it wasn't for the choir because like i said i mean on, on the interview itself if it's not for those group of wonderful people and uncle neil of course i mean i'd be a nobody all right and um you know so tell us a little about your time in the choir what has your journey been like how do you think you've evolved as a person as a musician and of course the bond that you share with all of them especially uncle neil it's been well it's been a journey with all its different facets of life thrown into it and a journey with people who are like minded is a journey worth remembering and um we've grown together as a group of people we have 
evolved. We have been through the most difficult of times and we've been through some of the happiest times of our lives together. And um, each member is precious. You know, we can't do without one another. Musically speaking, and of course, in terms of knowing one another, it's just been an absolutely phenomenal journey. They've had to bear a lot and... Well, I guess that's life. You know, we can't expect everybody to be to fit in perfectly. That's impossible. But we have to fit ourselves in. You know, we sometimes we have to chisel our way through in order to be that that wonderful brick wall <laughs> <laughs> which sticks together. And uh, Uncle Neil, I think I owe my life to this man. I owe my growth musically and more more than that spiritually and i see a man who no longer lives for himself and requires just one of a few people apart from many who he has taken under his wing and just brought up in a world where right is wrong and wrong is right and good is evil and evil is good i think uh, all all the more it's so important to be grounded in the truth. I mean, all I have to look back is on the 6th of January and what happened in Capitol Hill. It horrifies me to this very day. And that's just a glimpse of how people are believing lies and lies and lies. And it's not just then, it's because they've lived a life of believing lies. What they see on television, what's, uh, you know, the propaganda that's on social media. And it's so easy to just believe another lie. And this is the result of it. So. I thank God that I'm part of something that really we fight for the truth, you know, no matter how hard it is, no matter how difficult it is, but how painful especially it is, I think I'm safe. <laughs> you know, what are some of the lessons that you feel uh, that you've kind of, you know, learned from Uncle Neil that you'll maybe carry uh, with yourself forever? Apart from many is, mm-hmm. I remember what he said once he said, this was a, this was a prayer that came out of his heart going through a difficult situation in life. And he said, God, smite me more and I will love you even more. And that struck me because we expect God to be someone who is this good person who will just feel, make you feel good and, you know, peace and all that stuff. Uh, Some of, I mean, the most blessed relationship with God is to have peace even in the most dire or darkest of storms. And that is what I've learned that everything happens for the very best to those who love God. And that for me is my life lesson, which will hold me for the rest of my life. And one more thing, I think the most important, as you asked that question, I was trying to grow up what it was, but now I know what it is. It's, <laughs> he's taught me the art and the secret of prayer. So I don't, I know this is a podcast for everybody, but you're asking me this question and I have to speak the truth. I can't be all washy and say, oh, he's taught me how to sing. He's taught me. No, 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 no. That comes later. It's what he's taught me is that is prayer. And a deep connection, not one from the book, not one from head knowledge, not one from copying others. It's just a heart to heart with something that you don't even see. Now tell me if you can, if you can buy that with money. I don't think so. And buy that with money or fame. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah. coming to fame, what is your opinion and idea of uh, fame? What does it mean to you? 
just that term, you know, especially in a day and age when it's so easy to be famous. Like you put up a 15 second video and if it's mm. outrageous enough, you're famous for like two days, a week. Um, mm-hmm. So what, according to you, is the definition of fame that actually maybe makes a difference? Fame, I think, is a word that's very abused at the moment. The reason being that we will do whatever needs to be done in order to get those seconds of fame. There are television shows called 30 Seconds of Fame and whatever. You know, yeah. so I think that just sums it up. Fame is not some not a flash in the pan story. It is an immense responsibility because the same people who have put you up on that pedestal, you have the responsibility to now show them that this is how it's supposed to be done. And sustaining fame and fame that is long-lasting over the years, one year after another, after another, having to reinvent, having to be there on that same plane of not higher, (laughs) that requires immense amount of hard work, dedication. Talent is secondary, if not lower down the line. Talent is what gets you there, but it's not what sustains you there. It's tough work. It's tough work. People, they try and be famous. And then what happens? You you look at the amount of horror stories that happen with, with lives associated with fame. You need people there to tell you the truth. Uh, you need people there to ground you, which is the most important thing. Because fame and pride, the higher, the more famous you become, the more prone we are to pride. And that is a skyscraper that once you've reached the pinnacle of it, it's a very devastating thing. A lot of the time people jump off. True. (laughs) When I say that, I don't mean (laughs) physically. I'm talking about they don't have anywhere else to go. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the music scene in, uh, you know, Shillong been like, uh, you've been somebody who's observed it. You've been somebody who's been an integral part of it. And um, so tell us a little about that. What's music like back home? I think we have one of the most concentrated pools of talent in the entire country. Shillong is brimful of talent. It's got artists to musicians, to poets, to authors, to instrumentalists. I mean, you name it, to photographers, world-class levels of talent. Uh, You're talking about in this day and age, well, you're asking me after over a year of COVID. Yeah. It's difficult to uh, maintain um, a life in the arts without being very tough, tough mentally, actually very tough to go through it. But one thing I would say to whoever is listening, no matter which part of the world you're from, or uh, the most important thing is to continue doing what you do. Uh, That's the most important thing because more than success, especially in the beginning, we will meet with failure. And little do we know that that failure will actually teach us more than even the success. And that is what I've learned through life as well. You know, not just in music, but in everything. So one thing I've noticed, there's so so much amounts of talent here in, in Shillong, but a lot of the time they take a step back and say, this is not for me. So that I feel is uh, is tragic. And one thing that the choir has been able to do is to show people that, see, we're not all that talented, but because we've stuck to what we do, 
and we've stuck with the people that we love, that we can achieve great heights. And finally, um, how would you define an ideal relationship? And I mean a romantic relationship. Mm. Mm. One of sacrifice. There's no such thing as that rubbish soulmate that people talk about. No, 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 no. It's hard work. It's fellowship. Why do I use the word fellowship? Because I've heard this word especially. Um, it's because when age comes about and the physical outward appearance begins to sag and fail, which is only normal, the heart-to-heart, the truth, the relation, that is when actually the relationship begins, I feel, is the word fellowship. And it's a very deep word. It means there's something there that is spiritual. A relationship that is built on anything physical, on anything material, will crumble like a house of cards when the storm hits. But anything rooted in, like I use the word again, fellowship, you know, that means you're able to say the deepest of things, your deepest secrets even, and share and listen to one another. I mean, that's another very important thing. We always expect other people to listen to us, but we find it so difficult to listen to other people. And that, I think, is a perfect blend in uh, in a relationship. But it's so rare now. I mean, marriage is laughed at. Marriage is a farce in this day and age. And you're asking me this question right now. I say that we really have to rethink about what a man and woman is supposed to be in a, in a relationship. It's it's completely destroyed. It's based on the wrong things, on things that are so washable. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Why I yeah, see that? No, it's like it's like when when the when the water comes, it just washes away everything, and then there's nothing left. And then you're just distraught, and you want to move on, thinking that it's found somewhere else. But you don't forget that you take yourself with you when you go and do a relationship with somebody else. No, no, no. It's a lot of hard work. The first they say the first seven years are the most tedious years in a relationship that will end up to be successful. I don't think people even last seven months today. Exactly. On to seven years. my point. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that note, thank you so much for your time and congratulations once again on being the HD Brunch Cover Star. A lot of people I know have taken up baking during the pandemic. Only those who have ovens, of course. It's something that many use for the first time to bake a banana bread when it was all the rage in the early months of lockdown. Well, I didn't have an oven or an idea of how to go about it. So I opted for the next best thing, which was finding a trusted home baker. Uh, fortunately for me, uh, Maria George, who's a home baker running plateaued, Uh, happened to live in my building and decided to bake some extra loaves. And um, there's a whole new level of flavor and smell when you bite into bread that's fresh out of the oven. It's warm, perfectly crumbly and works best with a pat of butter. She also made me fall in love with sourdough bread, a variant I honestly didn't think much about or, you know, I had any idea of. And now, I can't stop obsessing over where to find the perfect ones. 
and who better than HD Brunch columnist Veer Sangvi to help you out with where to find the best ones. Listen on for more. Did you grow up in a house with a fancy oven? I know I didn't. So I have never ever baked a loaf of bread in my life. But during the pandemic and the lockdown, suddenly baking is the new thing. All kinds of people are baking bread, which is good because ovens are easily available now. And there's a whole new subsection of ladies and home bakers, people who used to make sages cookies or whatever, who are now experimenting and trying to make different things. The big hit and the surprise hit of the whole pandemic has been sourdough. Do you know what sourdough is? I'm asking because even I had to look it up and research it properly. Well, sourdough is the kind of bread that's not made mainly with commercial yeasts. It's made with microbes, which are part of what is known as a starter culture. What happens is this, you make some dough for your bread, you let it ferment and then the bacteria gather. And with a little bit of time, the dough takes on a flavor of its own. So ultimately the starter culture, which as they call it, becomes your basis for any sourdough. You take a bit of it out, you add it to the dough and then you make sourdough or when you finished with that you add a little more bread dough to the sourdough and then the culture takes on a life of its own so what we are seeing now is a very ancient bread it's an ancient french and german bread made entirely from starter cultures depending on the microbes in the air and you can now buy it and buy into a great great tradition The problem of course is that much of what is made as sourdough in India does not seem to me classic sourdough our chefs have done their own variations and hey i'm not french i'm not going to take any judgments or take any positions about it if you like it enjoy it i've had my current haircut for about a decade Yes, with a few tweaks here and there, but it's been more or less the same. I had a fringe in between, and it worked really well during the Delhi winters. But then, uh, you know, during the summer, it would just well, honestly, be blinding. And it's also a little taxing to maintain it in Bombay, uh, especially if you don't comb your hair. A problem that uh, my friend Moksha and I have in common, much to our mum's disdain. Uh, so i've also often been tempted to color my hair not streaks or something but like the whole head uh, but i've never been brave enough to do that but well i hope i finally take the plunge and chop off my hair this year no new year new me nonsense more like it's about time well here's what hd brunch columnist rehana munir has to say about hairstyles I think I begin every year with the same resolution that is to read James Joyce's Ulysses and uh, I think it's become one of those resolutions that I don't really mean uh, but it's nice to have something in there ready as a reply when people ask what do you resolve to do this year apart from that I think I want to read a lot more literary uh, translations works in translation and uh, uh, I actually was thinking of reducing my WhatsApp usage and the whole the entire world seems to have caught on to that right now with this vigorous discussion around uh, whatsapp versus telegram versus signal and all kinds of privacy issues but i i i kind of amuse myself hearing from friends about what they resolve to do in the new year uh, one friend who's a 
uh, you know, complete food and photography snob says that he's going to try and like more things, which I feel is it's nice. It's it sounds a bit vast in its scope, but uh, these are fun resolutions, you know. Uh, I think uh, more more often than not, whatever we try to do, the big the big changes that we try to affect in our in our lives get reduced to things like haircuts. and we're going to see a lot of changes in people's hairstyles uh, you know in these uh, weeks and the coming months uh, i myself am very tempted to try something different again it's 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 been the same for the past 20 or 25 years you you think that you're going to change your life but in the end you end up just changing your hairstyle and uh, that's what that the show on amazon fleabag phoebe wallerbridge's uh, wonderful uh, show which had two which ran for two seasons i think one of the running gags and the running themes of the show was you know people's obsession with their hair and uh, what that actually means what it uh, means deep down uh, so yeah this week's column is about hair a new hair in the new year and uh, i hope you go and get yourself a wild haircut that you've always dreamt of bye <music> I remember when I first met Jason. It was at a music competition at a DU college festival and he got on stage and sang a Michael Jackson song, complete with a beautiful falsetto, hitting all those sky-high difficult notes with ease. Chetan Dominic Kavasti has come a long way since. He's come out with multiple original singles, collaborated with the Revisit project, and he even started a boy band called Panic. And man, can the boy dance. Well, while you'll have to go to his Instagram handle to see those moves, we got him to sing a version of Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. Hope you enjoy it. Hi, I'm Chazen. And I'm doing a version of Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. Have a fabulous Sunday brunch. Even have 
weekend is when you take a break from a hectic week, whether it's work from home or work from work. It's also a day to develop perspective on things by not just consuming news, but also analyzing it by listening to different points of views and figuring out what you feel about it. We hope we've been able to do just that with today's HD Brunch podcast. Feel free to give us feedback and suggestions on HD Smartcast on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram or DM us directly at HD Brunch on Instagram and Twitter. To listen to more podcasts, log on to hdsmartcast.com or suno nay nazariye se. I will see you back here next weekend with another dose of entertainment that keeps things real. Till then, happy brunching guys. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.